This is the hour of doom and bloom. That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast, a collection of calm in a cacophonous world. It's like Where's Waldo? If by Waldo you mean my marbles, which I've lost long ago, long <laughs> ago. I'm Joel Nendy, that old Dr. Bones of the survival website, doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 1,200 articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness. And I'm Nurse Amy, also known as Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. That's right, and purveyor of quality medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. She's so sharp, we use her as a paper shredder. You've paper sh- shredder? You've shredded my heart. <laughs> You have. I'll glue it back together, honey. I have a packet of Elmer's glue. All right. No worries. Oh, We're good. Oh, I have to depend on Elmer for glue. Or El- super glue. Is Elmer a Chinese, glue is Elmer a Chinese name? I don't know. All right. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> on this show, you're going to get all the information you need about the proper use of suspenders. But you'll also get the conventional medical wisdom and the unconventional medical wisdom, whatever it takes to get your family medically prepared in troubled times. But before we start, listen to this. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Or don't, it's your funeral, but what happens in a catastrophe when the ambulance is heading in the other direction? When the stuff hits a fan, the pros can't get to you, and you're the highest medical asset left, you better do something. If you're going to save a life. Mm-hmm. Before we get started, I just want to mention that the brand new, greatly expanded, fourth edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook is sitting atop its Amazon categories, and we appreciate everybody's support. Thank you so much. Thank we, you. Hopefully, it'll be a good reference book for every family, and everybody should have it in their survival library. If you haven't gotten the fourth edition, check it out on Amazon or at store.doomandbloom.net. It is indeed big difference from previous versions, even though those were great. This one is greater. This is a, this is a wonder yeah. to behold. Oh, yes, it <laughs> is. Because it's indeed. so huge. <laughs> Crazy. All right, well, I want to talk a little bit today about this new drug that's come out from Merck. Science has made great progress, of course, against bacterial diseases, but our advances against viruses, they're still in their infancy. Any potentially good news reported in the battle against the current pandemic, well, I think is important to talk about. Now, there's an experimental drug now called molnupiravir, could they have made that a, a more complicated Blah. word? Yes, that's right. But At that's least Tamiflu is pronounced Easy to pronounce. Well, I guess they're going to end up with a brand name. Yep. Eventually, that'll be something we can understand. Now, the amazing thing about it is that it's supposed to reduce the risk of hospitalization and death, and that's what's been happening in their phase three clinical trials. So much so that the government has allowed them to, or they have chosen to stop clinical trials, having felt that they have enough evidence to prove that this thing works. So we're going to talk today about not only this, which is a Merck Pharmaceuticals product, big pharma product, but also another big pharma product from Merck also, ivermectin ah yes that's right and we're going to talk about the evidence for their effectiveness in the covid pandemic so we're going to start with ivermectin its brand name is stromectrol just call it ivermectin everyone okay. recognizes all right that. we'll call it we'll call it ivermectin okay now ivermectin is a um, fda approved prescription medication used to treat certain infections that you've never heard of like wait a um, second isn't it horse paste <laughs> Oh, I'm a sorry. Horse, there's a horse paste version. Yeah. 
So if your if you're horse, a horse is horse and you need some paste, yes. then you oh, definitely get it. But gosh. but this is actually a medicine that's available in pills. I have some. Right. And a nurse practitioner prescribed it for me when she thought that I could have COVID, just in case. Of course, the pharmacist gave me all kinds of heck about it. She had to rewrite the prescription so they would actually fill it. Then they lied to me and told me they didn't have 11 tablets. And then suddenly, because she saw I was a nice person, she's like, oh, oh, let me go check and see how many of them I have. And I see her with like almost a full bottle. And uh-huh. she counted out 11 to give to me. That was going to be the first dose for the first day while we were waiting to get the test back. And the test ended up being negative. Knock on wood. Yay. Yeah. So ivermectin's a human medicine. That's right. So, in pills. That's right. And it's treated <laughs> I for... I have them. <laughs> now, it's approved for things that you've never heard of. Uh, onchocerciasis and strongyloides, parasitic kind of infections. It's also an option to treat scabies, by the way. It is indeed approved. It's effective. It's cheap. It actually won a Nobel Prize. Well, approved for its indications. And that's right. Yes. yes, you're right. It won a Nobel Prize in 2015. But 2015, these days, might as well be have been, I don't know, 1915. The dark ages. In, in terms of the news cycles and things like that. Ivermectin has been a source of a, geez, a massive deba- debate. Start- Not really a debate. It's been a, a source of negative... Uh, negative spin. That's the Let's word. Let's call it that. Spinning. And that all started when President Trump came out in favor of it, which, of course, immediately led everyone else to come out against it. At least everybody else that has a TV camera in front of them. And this is honestly a classic example of politics over public health, and it sickens me, honestly. Very sad. The current stance of the CBC is that ivermectin is, when used as prescribed for the approved indications, generally safe and well-tolerated, but somehow it's not safe and well-tolerated for COVID. It's not authorized or approved by FDA for treatment or prevention of COVID-19. The National Institute of Health has determined that there's currently insufficient data to recommend the drug, and this may relate to maybe not enough studies being done on it, or the political agendas involved, or the medical authorities being concerned about a veterinary version that's used for horses and other livestock in the form of a paste like you mentioned. It's manufactured specifically for horses in a much higher dose in a form that's easy to feed to horses. Now, one other weird argument that I have heard against it is that some claim that it's dangerous for the environment if you use it a lot because there's so much of it in human waste, it's going to damage the reservoirs and the aquifers and things like that. So there's some pretty crazy... Are you serious? Yeah, I I actually have read that. Oh, my... It's (sighs) a nutty, nutty, nutty thing. Oh, my gosh. Now, the government uses the argument that adverse effects associated with ivermectin misuse and overdose are increasing from pandemic, pre-pandemic levels, as shown by a rise in calls to poison control centers. Now, the funny thing is that maybe some of these calls relate to somebody suffering from an actual adverse effect from now, the medicine. That turned out to be a lie. Not right. What you don't hear is that most of these calls are basically a call to ask, hey, is it okay to take ivermectin? It's not because they have an adverse reaction to it. They just want asking questions about it. It's a question, right. Now, not everybody, not every medical authority is against its use. Indeed, many Latin American, Caribbean, African, Asian countries use it regularly against COVID. Now, there's an organization called the Frontline COVID Critical Care Alliance, which is Association of Physicians, actual licensed physicians, 
that reports that since 2012, numerous studies have reported highly potent antiviral effects of ivermectin against a diverse array of viruses. Since then, studies evaluating its use against SARS-CoV-2 seem to agree. Increasing anti-inflammatory, immunomodulating effects. Immunomodulation basically means that it works to control the level of immune response to the virus so it's not going haywire. Exactly. Right? Many people with COVID die from cytokine storm, Storm, which is an immune overload that damages lung tissue. So theoretically, ivermectin prevents this. So what does the FLCCC, I'm going to call them that, the Front Care, Frontline Critical Care, COVID Critical Care Alliance, website claim as evidence for ivermectin's effectiveness? Well, they look at safety first. Ivermectin has an excellent safety profile over decades. The World Health Organization's report on side effects shows issues that are primarily minor and temporary and severe adverse reactions are indeed exceedingly rare. So pretty safe. Now, what about the clinical experience of physicians? Numerous case series, most notably one published uh, from the Dominican Republic in uh, last June, they had 3,000 patients presenting to the ER with COVID. They were treated with ivermectin. And of those people that were treated, only 16 were hospitalized and only one of them actually died. 3,000. And that's not the only place. The FLCCC claims reports from many doctors in multiple countries observing consistent responses in treated patients with few treatment failures. Now, clinical trials, actual laboratory clinical trials, as of August 8th, 2021, the results from 31 separate observational clinical trials, you would think that that would be enough for the CDC, right? That included 6,800 patients, 6,800 patients, and it finds that treatment with ivermectin does reduce time to recovery, the rate of hospitalization, and mortality. A review of all these trials, about 27 of them at least, about 3,400 patients were checked out and they found that ivermectin did indeed reduce the time to viral clearance, hasten the recovery, and reduced mortality. So again, lots and lots of evidence for this drug actually being helpful. In terms of prevention, there were 13 studies that found that single or repeated ivermectin use strongly reduced the risk of getting COVID-19 with an average protection level of 86% and higher levels if you use higher dosing. Now, the FLCC goes on to give examples of different countries' experiences, including Mexico, Peru, India, Argentina, all sorts of places. One tough issue is what to do for long-haul cases where people suffer from long-term symptoms after surviving COVID-19. It appears ivermectin is effective in helping to eliminate symptoms there and improve quality of life. Having said all that, let me tell you about the brand new drug that Merck developed that's currently being evaluated for use against COVID-19. It's called as I mentioned before, Molnupiravir. I knew uh, I couldn't say that twice in a row. We should just make up a brand name for this. <laughs> call it M. Just call it, no, just call M. it the COVID pill. Okay. The new, call, seriously. The latest COVID just pill. Call it, just call the it the new COVID, COVID pill. pill. All right. The new COVID pill works by inserting <laughs> errors into the virus's genetic code, which inhibits coronavirus replication. The clinical trial most quoted on this drug consists of about 775 unvaccinated people with lab-confirmed infection and at least one complicating issue that puts them at high risk for hospitalization. Let's say advanced stage, diabetes, very obese, things like that. The drug therapy was instituted within five days of actually getting symptoms and given in the form of about four capsules a day for five days. 
Results from the study revealed that 14% of high-risk patients receiving placebo ended up hospitalized after diagnosis. 14%. That's with placebo, with a sugar pill. In the oral group, only 7% of patients were. So indeed, there's a 50% reduction in hospitalization using this mold new Pirivir. No, the new COVID pill. The new COVID pill, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> no deaths were reported in the group that received the new COVID pill compared to eight deaths in the placebo group. So pretty good. And the adverse reactions such as headache were seen to be at the same rate for both groups. You can also call it NCP. <laughs> MCP, okay. NCP. New, new COVID pill. pill. Okay, NCP, all right. NCP. All right. The researchers <laughs> claim that NCP is effective against all strains of the coronavirus, including the Delta variant. They also state that their data shows the drug isn't capable, is not capable, listen to this, is not capable of causing genetic changes to human cells. Well, that's, thank goodness for that. Well, that's something I get asked about I know. for a lot of different things. We need to not have our genetic code changed. I like my genetic code. I'm fine. Yeah, you have an I'm excellent. I'm still here. You have an excellent genetic <laughs> thank code. Thank you. I'm it's still here. True. That's the most important thing. I'm still <laughs> on this earth. <laughs> so this could be a game changer, an actual oral treatment that's accepted by maybe both sides of the political fence for outpatients. You can take it at home. You don't have to go into the hospital to take it like ivermectin it doesn't even require refrigeration right may change the war this may change the way that viral infections are managed how about we stop requiring people to have to have a vaccine because now we have a pill that does an even better job in fact they're showing that this might actually prevent it where this stupid vaccine isn't even preventing us from Not getting true. sick you can still get covid <laughs> if you have been vaccinated and we can transmit it so that's true Treatment for pandemic cases that are currently accepted, like remdesivir, that consists of intravenous infusions. Even monoclonal antibodies, which are is another treatment being used, that's another Heavily intravenous in infusion. Very expensive. Maybe a, a, a new thing, right? I mean, it's an oral pill that is accepted by everybody, unlike ivermectin, and it will be available to people without having to go through all the hoops that you had to to get a single dose. Well, thankfully, I had a nurse practitioner that's very hip. Uh, the other thing is cost. Well, so, it costs 700 bucks for oh, the new COVID pill. This is what I was just going to... Well, monoclonal antibodies cost 2400 bucks. I understand So it is that. cheaper. I understand, but I'm... I'm thinking about ivermectin in this. Oh, well. But we're never going to get ivermectin to be FDA approved. Those people, they could show a thousand percent improvement, which of course is impossible. A hundred percent improvement within one day of taking one ivermectin pill and zero deaths and they're still never going to approve it. They're just not. They're just not going to approve it because Trump said something about it and they're never ever going to admit that he could be right about anything in the entire world. And so ivermectin has got a big black X over it. Right. It was canceled. And and how they put it is that there's insufficient evidence. Right. Well, I just told you about all this evidence. Tons of evidence. And they should be able to make a statement one way or another. And all these countries using it too. That's right. Look at India. Right. India actually went from... A horrible rate to actually very little. I mean, they conquered it. And used a lot in Latin America. So right now it's in the process of being uh, approved for emergency use authorization from the FDA. And I think it will be because the government has already bought 1.7 million doses of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I think that's probably a sign it's going to be do approved. Do you think they're going to approve it? Yeah. If so. If not, Biden's going to call him up. If so. You know what he's going to say? What? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Look, man. You're look, making me look bad. That's right. If successful, Molnupiravir is going to become the first approved approved oral antiviral medication for SARS-CoV-2. So having an effective oral at-home therapy is a major advance against the pandemic, easing the burden on our medical infrastructure. That's what ivermectin could have done, but looks like it's going to have to be Molnupiravir. A $700 prescription instead of a $10 prescription. Even ivermectin is by prescription. So, you know, this, this new COVID drug is going to be by prescription and ivermectin is going to be by prescription. You should start taking it as soon as possible after symptom onset. This strategy is very similar to other oral antiviral drugs like Tamiflu. We talk about that a lot for influenza. You're talking about the new COVID pill now. Yes. Well, and, I, and I'm talking about ivermectin too. It really should be taken as early as possible when you have symptoms. If you can get it. That's right. These drugs decrease the severity of many cases of, let's say, influenza for Tamiflu. Uh, if you take them as early as possible in the course of the infection. It's going to be very important for people to be educated to what to look for, therefore, in terms of symptoms, mm-hmm. right, of COVID, and to contact their medical professionals, local medical professionals, immediately. That should be also noted that another study currently in phase three clinical trials is examining this new COVID pill for its effectiveness in preventing the infection. We don't know about that. Right, exactly, yet. which is interesting because that's what you can do with Tamiflu also. If you're taking care of a patient with influenza and you don't want to get sick, you can take one Tamiflu pill every day instead of the person who's sick who requires twice a day. That's right. So the one pill a day is a bit of a prevention. So it would make sense that this new COVID pill would be... Would might have work a sim- the same way, yeah, could you would have, think, could right? have a similar effect, which is great. So what I propose is that we get the new prescription, emergency approved, everyone calls their doctor, everyone gets a prescription because you say to your doctor, listen, I don't want to bother you on a Saturday or Sunday. Right. If you're not available, I have to take this right away. I want a prescription now, and I want one for me and my wife and my 14 children and my 16 grandchildren, and my 45 sisters and brothers. I'm just kidding. You're right. It's not always the case that you can get to your doctor within 48 hours or wherever the amount of time is that's most effective. These drugs actually have to be taken pretty early. I do want to say one other thing about this. Why is Merck, which makes both of these drugs, really not pushing the ivermectin? Simple. Because they can charge a lot more for the new drug. And that's the bottom line, isn't it, with big pharma? They have to get their money. Well, they, they say they have to get their money back on all that research and development they made, but they already had researched and had developed ivermectin. Well, all I can say is that ivermectin might have been a simpler answer. It would have been nice not to have to go through hoops to get medicine that could save lives. Mm-hmm. But the media has got their hooks into ivermectin, and so that has poisoned the well, as oh, well. I say. That brings me to uh, the pace that we mentioned. This stuff may be ivermectin, but it's not the right dose. I mean, it's meant for horses and and other livestock. And and that doesn't meet my strict criteria for vet meds, even though, indeed, I'm the guy who's written about fish antibiotics all those years ago. And I I still believe that they can save lives in survival settings. So who's going to get pills for you? Who's going to prescribe these medicines for you? You would think that Amy's found some rare bird and that would actually prescribe it but if you go to 
the COVID critical COVID nineteen criticalcare.com to the website of the FLCCC. That's the website. Click the Get Ivermectin button. There's actually a Get Ivermectin button there, and you'll find a big list of many healthcare providers that prescribe it via telemedicine visit. Mm-hmm. The cost is about 79 bucks average, and that is 79 bucks, but indeed, it is a way to get the actual human stuff. It's a way to get a prescription for it. Right, exactly. Your other hoop you have to go through is getting the pharmacy to fill it, which is a whole nother can of worms. Well. Which there should never be a pharmacist on this earth, sorry if you're a pharmacist listening, who has a prescription written to a patient that's not a crazy dose, that's not, you know, some something used for snakes and and a human's trying to fill it it's not an overdose it's just a prescription for something that's been used for what 70 years yep and they refuse to fill it i i find that flabbergasting well you know what we're in the infancy of antiviral research right now things are moving fast hopefully there's going to be New antivirals, I know there are many different pharmaceutical companies right now that are working on antiviral treatments. This is just the first one that's come out, this mold new Piravir. <laughs> and hopefully viral diseases will be just a bump on the road, not the end of the road in the future. I agree. I'll leave you with a quote. Yes. We try to never forget that medicine is for the people, it's not for the profits. Ah, yeah. Who said that? Send that to everybody. Who said that? George Merck. Merck. Oh, <laughs> a, a very long, How long time ago, ago. Did he die? <laughs> he died in 1957. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> hey, we're adding a new segment to the show where I take questions posed to me in the past, often on our friend Jack Spierko's survival podcast. If you have questions you'd like to hear me address on the podcast, send us an email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. That's D-R Bones Podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at aol.com. Well, here we go. Hi, Joe Alton, MD here, also known as Dr. Bones of the survival medicine website, doomandbloom.net, author of books like The Survival Medicine Handbook, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, and Alton's Pandemic Preparedness Guide, plus designer of quality medical kits, don't forget, at store.doomandbloom.net. Today's question for the expert counsel is from Scott, who writes, what are your thoughts on beetroot powder? Seems like adding beetroot powder to your diet is a very good idea, but are the benefits as great as many claim? Scott, beetroot powder is a versatile item, can be used in cooking to color dishes, provide extra nutrition, and it's sometimes taken as a supplement in high concentration capsules, which is probably what you're talking about. Beets, a scientific name beta vulgaris rubra, are root vegetables known for their rich purplish-red color. When you talk about beets, you're talking about the whole plant, including the greens. With beetroot, you're talking about just the taproot portion, which is what most people eat. According to a large 2015 review on the use of beetroot powder, its constituents, known as betalane, were used as a medicine all the way back in Roman times. They're claimed to display a potent antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and even a preventative activity. This includes lowering blood pressure, improving brain function, helping prevent and treat cancer, reducing sugar cravings, maintaining a healthy weight, increasing strength and stamina, plus providing instant energy. Wow, what doesn't this stuff do? The answer is, it does exactly what eating beets would do, become part of a reasonably healthy diet. What about the 2015 review? Well, you have to look back to see who's paying for it. In this case, it's G's Fresh, G apostrophe S, 
Fresh, a large agribusiness consortium in Europe based in Great Britain, which produces a lot of, well, take a guess, cooked beetroot. Bottom line, if you want beetroot to be part of a well-balanced diet, go for it, but don't expect any miracle cures. Jack also asked me to talk a little bit about Balance of Nature products, which produces, among other things, all your fruits and veggies in a pill. This company is owned by a chiropractor from St. George, Utah, and is endorsed and advertised a lot on talk radio, with tons of testimonials from happy customers. All this is fine, and I'm glad so many people like their stuff. But some people online claim it actually has saved their lives, and it seems to have cured just about every disease imaginable, if you take all the testimonials as gospel, that is. Yet, it seems there's less actual peer-reviewed studies for these products than for beetroot. Of course, there's what we call implied science. There's lots of science that says fruits and vegetables are good for you, but not much, at least that I can find, specifically regarding this particular freeze-dried product. Still, I take cure-all claims with a grain of salt, and maybe you should too. On their website, they do admit that their fruits and veggies in a capsule is not intended as a medical or healthcare advice or to be used for medical diagnosis or treatment for any individual problem. Any product that has to say something like this doesn't have enough data to convince the FDA that it has medical benefits. One thing I found strange is that ingredients are listed alphabetically and not by percentage or weight. You don't really know the exact composition of the capsule. Is it 99% kale? Is it 99% soy? 99% carrots? It's supposed to have a bunch of different vegetables in it or a bunch of different fruits in it. What is the majority of the product? Is it the cheapest ingredient? Another thing is that Balance of Nature products don't list any minimum daily requirement, MDA, percentages. They say you're eating the equivalent of more than 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. I find it hard to believe that 10 servings of fruits and vegetables don't reach 100% of the MDA in a lot of vitamin categories. Why not say so on the label? The label also doesn't list common information about carbohydrates, sugar, protein, or fat. Something I find strange for food, but I guess it doesn't have to list them because it's a supplement. I have to say it's hard to believe that you can get 10 servings of fruits and vegetables, even with freeze-drying, into a 2.4 gram capsule. I know these things are mostly water, but still, even if they're 95% water, 10 servings fit into one tiny capsule? I'll also mention that their products aren't cheap. If you were giving it to an entire family, it's a pretty big investment. Their statement on this is, The cost of nutrition might be considered pricey, but good nutrition and feeling great is worth every cent. So if you use Balance of Nature supplements and you feel great, I'm glad for you, but view any testimonials about them that claim cure-all effects for diseases with a healthy dose of skepticism. Do your homework, get the hard data, and make your own conclusions. This is Joe Alton, MD, that old Dr. Bones, wishing you the best of health in good times or bad. Thanks for listening. Well, that's all the time we have. You've been listening to the Survival Medicine Podcast. For Amy Alton, I'm Joe Alton, that old Dr. Bones, wishing you the best of health in good times or bad. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.